Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Brownie Points. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And this is the podcast where a guy with a film degree... And a guy who knows how to work a DVD player... Talk to you about movies. This week, Nick and I are going to be talking about the current state of our actual cinemas. Then we're going to take a look at Netflix's nearly actionless action movie, Triple Frontier. And then we're going to jump into the time machine and go all the way to 1989 for the most righteous adventure, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. All of that on this week's episode of Brownie Points. Alright guys, before we talk about Triple Frontier, uh, this is usually where we talk about um, something that's going on in the news, or if there's a movie that I feel like Nick needs to see that he didn't, uh, just some kind of musings that uh, we like to start at the top of the show with, and uh, because of previously stated uh, travel obligations that I'm on, we are recording this early, so if something happened that you are anticipating us talking about sorry <laughs> we're <laughs> we'll talk about it later at some point <laughs> yeah surely if it's big enough we'll talk about it on the next episode but uh for now uh we thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about uh the current state of the physical movie theater like what has been going on with um adding in um recliners and uh reserve seating and uh dine-in experience imax rpx dolby cinema rooms uh just what it's like to go to the theaters now and try to put ourselves back into the shoes that we were in a month ago about um what it takes for us to see a movie like if this really adds anything to it um these little extra things versus like just going to a normal room um I mean, you were kind of the inspiration for this topic, Nick. Um, what's it? What's it? What's it? What's it like? Uh, what do you have to say about uh, what the theaters are like right now? So, uh, where I live in Indiana, um, the city has three movie theaters, um, and two of them uh, have been recently renovated to where they have seats that you know when you put when you lean back on them, it goes back a little bit. Um, and they're nicer kind of leather chairs. Um, but the kind of the main, the biggest one in Lafayette, um, it is, has been completely redone. It is getting an IMAX theater. It has powered recliner seats, um, with extra leg room to where you can almost practically lay down while watching a movie. Um, they have the tables, uh, that come out. It's assigned seating. Um, it has more than just like popcorn and soda and candy. Like it's, it, Last uh, last night when I went with my friend Justin to watch us, we actually had dinner there. We got uh, chicken strips instead of just having popcorn and soda and some candy there. They actually have regular food. Um, so it's something that I really like. Um, when we first moved here, the theaters were kind of run down. Um, they weren't necessarily like in terrible shape, but the seats weren't really that comfortable. Um, the theater looked kind of dirty, honestly. Um and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm a 
you know, six foot tall, 230 pound guy. I'm a pretty big guy. So the, the, the spacing of the seats was kind of uncomfortable too. And so couple that with, you know, a ticket costing like seven, seven fifty, eight fifty for one person to go see a movie. Um, at the time, you know, you'd get a lot of people that, you know, they went to the movie, but it didn't really cost them all that much. So they don't really care. So they'll talk or the seats are so close together. They'll need, they'll accidentally knee your seat or when they're walking by, they'll bump your seat. And, you know, it was just, you know, it, it was really a time where you could tell, uh, it was built, pro- it was probably built or something in like the eighties or nineties. Um, just because they, they were realizing, well, people really want to see movies. This is a medium that's really, you know, kind of taking off at, at this time frame. So they're trying to cram as many people into theaters as possible so they can get as many tickets sold. But now with, uh, streaming and pirating kind of ru- not ruining, but, uh, no, ru- ru- kind of ruining is, um, or be- ruining is not honestly that far off, like because of like, um, declining attendance, even though revenues up, yeah. de- attendance is declining Netflix and Hulu and prime, um, yeah. they're all competing with each other. And like, even honestly, like, I mean, we don't, I, it's not much to add with video games, but, um, I remember the CEO of Netflix, I want to say, he was saying that his biggest competition in his mind was Fortnite. Like, yeah. So the prospect of going to a theater, like, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's definitely, a, it's definitely worrisome. So, so like to have, to have the theater be that uncomfortable, you know, it's like, you know, and, and not only that, not that uncomfortable, and then people are like going to talk while you're there or be on their phones and it ruins it. It's like, you know, I don't really want to waste my money or my time doing it. If I like, I'd go to a movie if I was almost a hundred percent positive, I was going to love that movie. So when they redid that theater, um, tickets are now $10. So there's a price hike, but it's not a drastic price hike. But when you think about it, $10 to go watch a movie is honestly a, you know, a decent amount of money to go see a movie. But for the increase in comfort, the increase in the amenities, they have also improved the projector and sound system in the theaters. Um, it actually makes me more like want to go see a movie more because it's going to be more comfortable. I'm going to be more comfortable watching the movie. Um, they're kind of pricing the more casual moviegoer, like, like super casual, super passive moviegoer out of it to where you're not having audience members cause distractions in the movie as much. It's not, there's nothing, nothing is going to take out that human element to have a audience member completely ruin a movie with their behavior. But no, totally. if you can price it to the, if you can price it to the point where they just don't want to go, um, and you have it for people that are truly there to watch the movie and enjoy themselves. It makes me want to go go to the movies more because it's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm going to enjoy myself at the theater more. Yeah. Like when when we saw Captive State, I was actually really upset that it didn't play at that theater with their Kleiny chairs because I was like, I don't think I'm gonna like this movie, but I know I'm not gonna be comfortable not liking this movie. Yeah. No, that's like, um, where I'm at is slightly different because I'm here in New York. Um. I have the benefit of, um, I don't, I don't live in Manhattan, but I do work in Manhattan. And, um, so usually when I see a movie, I have, I have plenty of options and almost all the theaters that are uh, like chain, like an AMC or a Regal, they have, um, not all of the theaters have the recliners. Like they have at least one or two, most of the bigger ones have at least one or two recliner rooms. Um, yeah. 
and most of most of them have an IMAX. And um, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not as familiar with Regal as of late, but um, really what enticed me wasn't so much the amenities like the amenities uh like the like going to uh the dolby room to see the dolby uh certified projector like that is a crazy great projector and their recliners in that room but Mm -hmm. um if i know i want to see this other movie that doesn't get that treatment um most of the time like i can still see it in a room that is like the normal chair but like it still has a little bit of like push on the back so you can like lean back a little bit um it's been a while since i've seen a movie in a straight up old school like stiff chair um but the biggest thing for me um honestly like with how much i like going to see movies and that was and um especially now that we're doing the, the podcast um and uh, it obviously is an enormous help of making the podcast, let alone just feeding my addiction to movies, um, was, a- was <laughs> A-List, really. Um, the subscription service that kind of spawned from AMC watching how MoviePass kind of just went in the toilet. And yeah, what happened? I didn't have I didn't have movie pass, but I, I think you said you did. And it was just like a, no. it just wasn't. Good. No, Rachel did. My sister. Oh. Um she did and she was telling me all about it and there were other people that i work with at work who uh were talking about how terrible it was with like the blackouts the random unavailability the the fact that you had to go within 100 yards of the theater half an hour before the show to even try to get a Mm -hmm. ticket like if there were any left you couldn't book in advance um really like the fact that amc looked at every single one of those things and was just like okay Mm -hmm. you can go to any format as many times as you want and you can book in advance and um like i said it doesn't matter what room you're in the dolby room a regular room the imax pay us 20 20 bucks a month and you can see three movies a week which to me is a good compromise because yeah. movie pass just kind of sync themselves for a movie a day like every day but really what killed them for me was the infrastructure of amc is designed to hold to to be able to do that because they have revenue coming in from casual moviegoers they have revenue from like the families of five the families of four the group of people going after work so they can support the people like me that will go by myself or even still if i cover my ticket uh my wife can pay for her ticket and then kind of a la carte it like that they have an infrastructure that makes it work and well, movie pa- the, movie pass didn't like movie pass had no real income outside of what 10 bucks a month yeah which if everybody is going to literally more than one movie a month obviously that's why it failed but like yeah because of that that amenity that has allowed me to want to indulge in all the other things because um and this is a more again a more location specific problem that i have uh going yeah. to a regular movie at the amc is like I want to say like $15, not matinee. And then if I wanted to go see us in, when I did go see us in Dolby, that was like a $22, $23 ticket. And then going to the IMAX is like a $25 ticket. Like it's really an investment up here for us. Like, especially just because I mean, uh, I mean, that's the, that's a Manhattan problem, but um, the theater, the theater chain here, because you were talking about AMC being able to get movie for casual moviegoers. So the theater chain here in Lafayette is uh, uh, 
good rich quality theaters. So they own the they're the theater in West Lafayette, and then the one that's uh, it just recently got opened from being renovated. It's you know the seats that recline back a little bit, and uh, it doesn't have the tray table. It and it's 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 the uh, kind of more casual movie goer theater. The one in West Lafayette and the one that I was just talking about. You know, I, I ended up having to watch Captain State and the one in West Lafayette. That ticket was still the same price it was, you know, at the other theaters before the renovation. Oh wow! But the one that the one I like going to is uh, the East Side Ten IMAX. Uh, even though the IMAX one isn't open yet, they renamed it East Side Ten IMAX because they added a theater. Okay. Um, it uh. That theater is the one with the reclinable chairs. So if you see, if you're like, you know, I want to go to the movies, but it's a more casual moviegoer thing, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, well, go to the go to the other one or go to the one in West Lafayette. But if you're gonna go to this one, you're gonna shell out more money. Granted, I find I find that extra money worth it. But you know, it's one of those ones where you know, if you don't want to shell out that money, you can still go, and the seats are a little nicer than they were yeah but if you want if you want to be you know really comfortable a good projector a good sound system east side east side 10 imax is the theater where they're like this is our not i don't want to say hardcore movie movie fan thing because there's no like dolby certified projector theater that we have none none of these theaters are owned by regal or amc no okay that's that's really interesting yeah, I I've I've only heard of Goodwitch quality theaters Interesting. up here. I've never heard of it anywhere else. But um but that theater chain, you know, they they I think they went about it smart because they probably they probably said, "Hey, if we make every single seat like this in our theater, we'll probably lose money." Because not because we're going to price out people at every one of our theaters. But if we make one theater dedicated to where it's it's like it is now, where you know it is a more expensive ticket, but you get better amenities, you get better food selection, you get a better projector, you get a better you get better sound system. Yeah. Your 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 movie your movie experience is just improved by paying more because you you get the nicer things. But if we have people that are like, hey man, like I got a family, I got a budget, and also my kids want to go see, um, they want to go see the Toy Story movie that's coming out later. But I don't want to shell out forty bucks for my whole family to go because I don't even think they're going to pay attention that much. Yeah. And and just tickets, you take uh, you take them to the one of the theaters where it's like, oh yeah, the chairs are more comfy, but they're not like the really high end ones. Yeah, you don't want to um, shell you don't want to shell you, out you for can the still recliners. get that casual yeah. casual moviegoer money. So yeah, it's I think I think theaters really like have um, or at least again like in my um. I've only lived in big cities lately since I moved from Indiana. Um, yeah. Cause I, um, fun fact, I lived in Orlando for five years too. Um, yeah. But no, but like in the theaters in Orlando and the theaters up here in New York, I mean, they've really um, stepped up their game to try because they got to compete. Like, and I, I've noticed that. And I mean, for me, for somebody that yeah. still loves going to the theaters, like um, I'm not the person that they're trying to win back. I mean, I'm taking advantage of a list and like, yeah, I want to like, you've made this for us. I want it. Like, let's make this, I want, I want the theater experience to be as cool as possible. So like, it is neat for me, but like they, they are, they're hearing the call. They are seeing the, the, the numbers. Like, even though there is more money, that money's coming from the compensation of the fact that people like it's, it is an investment for some people to go to the movies and 
they want to get more out of it than sitting in that crappy chair and yeah. uh, that that whole hum projector. They want to. The, the, it, it's going to make it worth their while. Like if you're gonna, if I'm going to pay for it, I want to make it worth my while. And I mean, to me, yeah. I th- I hope it pays off. Like I don't know. I, I guess we need to still um, wait. Maybe maybe there are some stats that like can say whether that's the case or not. Like or if maybe Box Office Mojo can like look at it but because yeah. um, i don't i mean i'm not trying to state this from like any specific kind of time frame as like when did theater start getting good again like <laughs> yeah but it's i don't know like it's uh it's i don't know it's kind of fascinating to me like i love yeah because I, I, I don't i don't want to lose the I, theater experience like and i and i think it's a disservice to the industry to yeah. like uh to not try and save it for the people that do care about <laughs> it and all the people in the film industry that like they get into it because they were they want to make movies because they are so blown away by them and like partly yeah. because of that experience too like getting to see it that well, way they, they honestly they reacted kind of slow to it like cuz the you know the big pirating thing you know when i well, think pirate, when well pirating started, yeah well i mean if we want to start it there like pirating starting probably like in the early thousands like 2000 like or maybe like yeah. 2004 or 5 so I, when I think when I think of pirating, I think of when Napster started because to me that's when oh you know, with, the, with the, the music yeah yeah because that to me that's when you know media kind of started like big time started getting stolen was you know people having albums you know end up on there and they weren't able to sell them or you know yeah I was thinking I was uh, thinking like I was pe- thinking like, like people uh, had songs leak that hadn't even been released yet like yeah get get out on there so then um, and then LimeWire for video transfers. Yeah, and then and then video transfer started after that, and then you know you started seeing that you wouldn't download a car, you wouldn't download a purse, <laughs> yeah. you don't download a movie yeah. commercial. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And then, but you know, they it was funny because it's like you know, at, at a certain point, people started being able to download movies that were going to theaters because they started leaking, and it it's funny is not the right word, but it's kind of ironic because they were like. Well, they're bad for downloading the movie, and it goes. And when you think of it, it's like, well, why are they downloading the movie? Yeah. Yes, they want to. Yes, they want to save money, but your home home theaters are getting so good that you have a home theater. Yeah. So give people a reason to go to your theater. Do you want to see the most current movie in a comfortable re- in a comfortable way and not have it ruined by someone who's just gonna sit there and shout at the screen because, uh they weren't willing to pay 10 bucks to go to a movie they really weren't that interested in the beginning yeah cool go to this theater do you still want like more of a casual movie going experience we have another theater with better seats but they they reacted really slow to it because for a while they're just like this is bad are you going to do anything to get it to stop well we'll put measures in to, to stop it and like yeah but are you going to do anything to correct the reasoning of why people are doing it no we're just going to make sure that they stop doing it yeah they're people. They're going to find ways to do it. Yeah. And I mean, that's the best that, I mean, that's obviously it's not going to go away. Game of Thrones is coming yeah. back in three weeks or four weeks. I don't know. It's coming back and it's still going to be the most pirated show and simultaneously the most watched show on yeah. Sunday night. Like it's going it's yeah. to keep happening. But I mean, uh, I guess, I mean, for, I mean, for where we are right now, I mean, uh, maybe an ind- if, if we had somebody from the industry to say like, if, any changes that have been like trending like over the past couple of years are really helping. But I mean, at yeah. least for us in like the, that casual consumer perspective, I mean, it's, it's a great time to go to the theaters. I still love going to the yeah. theaters and I don't ever want to yeah. stop. Like I feel bad that I saw, I saw Roma on my TV and I didn't see Roma in the theater, but, yeah. um, 
but I mean, I I hope the theater can keep up because obviously streaming's not going to go anywhere, really. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, man. I don't know. We'll just have to. We'll just have to keep. We'll just have to keep seeing. Um, yeah, keep an eye on yeah. it. Yeah. So on that note, why don't we take a break and then come back and talk about Triple Frontier? All right, welcome back, everybody. As we said in the top of the show, our movie of the week is not in theaters. We went to Netflix and watched the new film from J.C. Chandler, Triple Frontier. The film stars Oscar Isaac, Ben Affleck, among many other stars, including Charlie Hunnam, who you may remember from Sons of Anarchy on FX. And uh, my question to you, Nick, was... Did this movie really underwhelm you to to certain extents like it did me? Yeah. <laughs> I uh I saw I watched it but I had watched it before you. Um I I got I watched it cuz we deci- we decided to do this episode kind of last minute with your travel plans. So uh we came up with the idea to do this episode uh the same day after recording episode four. Um, yeah, I so... watched, yeah, I just, for insight, insider info, I watched this film maybe, or, or no, more than, I watched this movie about seven hours ago when I woke up this morning. Yeah, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not a bad movie. Um, watching it, the one, watching it, as I'm watching it, and then after the movie ended, um, I just kind of had this big feeling of I've this is okay, but I've seen this done better in other movies. Um, The story never really like grabbed me and pulled me in um, until a certain point in the film. Um, It's it's not the only thing I would say is bad is there's a there's a handful of moments where the acting isn't very good. It looks it come to me it comes across as a movie that it was it was an average script maybe maybe slightly below average script um, and then they said well if we get a bunch of big names and we spend a pretty good chunk of money licensing songs for the movie um, well they spend some money on lo- on locations too like and, there's some pretty locations, locations in this if we, if we spend a lot of money in there then maybe it'll get you know, it'll seem like it's better and get put into theaters, and it's it's an okay movie. Um, and in retrospect, you know, I un- I understand why it went to Netflix. It didn't go to any theaters, but but at the same time, it's not a movie that's so bad. I would say skip it, but it's 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 kind of just there. That's not a bad way to put it. I I do think I like the film a little more than you. Yeah. Um, I'm anticipating having a uh, a higher brownie rating than you, but yeah. Um, I did. I I was underwhelmed a little bit just because of my expectations, more or less. I I did kind of have some expectations coming to this film because if I told you there is a kind of a military outlaw cowboy esque movie that stars Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam, Ben Affleck. Um, 
Pedro Pascal, I think that's his name. Mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal, I think. I want to just make sure I said that right. Yeah, Pedro Pascal from Narcos, and um, oh the um the 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 discount um oh I'm not I'm just not even gonna finish that. There was a guy that looked like um the other actor from Marcos who was in um Logan. Yeah. Um, I really like him, and I can't his name Garrett. There it is, Garrett Headland. Hmm. Um. I like him, but um, I did have to look up his name. I just knew his face. <laughs> but no, um, uh, that kind of film with this cast, and it's written by Mark Bowl and co-written and directed by J.C. Chandler. Um, I was so pumped for it because I, I again, I love, I love this lineup, and I do think their performances are mostly good. I do think that some of the dialogue is a little heavy handed and kind of on the nose and kind of corny, but the chemistry between the cast, I still think is pretty strong. I kind of bought into the performances more than you did. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was going to say, when you said that, when you said I bought into them as a team, I was like, wait, what did I think? Oh no, I didn't at all. (laughs) uh, I see. I kind of like, I thought there was some good chemistry between them. Um, I, I was impressed that this, um, I was impressed with uh, the idea of this story. Um, I believe it's at least inspired by true events, uh, just based on Mark Bowles, um, his resume. He he is usually teamed up with Catherine Bigelow on her films. She, uh, she, if anyone doesn't know, she was the Oscar winner for The Hurt Locker and um, Detroit and Zero Dark Thirty. Um, and then J.C. Chandler... This is only his fourth film. His other films are Margin Call, All Is Lost, and um, A Most Violent Year. All, all three of those films are spectacular. So my all that said, that's what raised my expectations because I love and respect so many of these people that were involved with this film. And it just, it's got pacing issues. I couldn't believe that J.C. Chandler's name was on the script. <laughs> I feel like he was brought in to doctor up Mark Bull's or Mark Bull's script because. JC got an Oscar nomination for writing Margin Call, and that movie's got some fast, witty, amazing dialogue. Yeah. So this having some of the lines in it that it did, I kind of underwhelmed me. Um, it, the movie, like, uh, if I didn't say it, it's got pacing issues. It's got a really great first thirty minutes when uh, the whole plot of the film is about these guys uh, robbing and killing uh, this big drug dealer in Brazil. And, like, the lead-up to that is really cool. But then when the whole rest of the film is about the aftermath, that's when it slows way, it's way down. It, oh, it's, it definitely slogs. It doesn't... But like you said, it doesn't... It's not It's not so detrimentally so that I... Uh, there, are, there are a handful of moments in it that I do still really like, like the action scenes that still happen in it. Um, there's just so much downtime. Yeah. And... The end result, I mean, the end result of the film, I mean, like, I, there was, I, I thought there was going to be more bodies than there was, than there was, um, I, I'll get more into detail into that in the spoiler section, but, um, I just, um, it was just, at the end of the day, yeah, it's just kind of underwhelming that, like, going through all of that, yeah, with how slow it was and what the story is, like, recapping the story to somebody about ex-special force operatives, uh, robbing a drug lord, and then uh, they just try to get home. Like, holy crap, that sounds like a great movie, but then it's kind of not. Yeah. Like, um, what would you, to go what ahead would you and, give it as a rating? 
Yeah, I was about to say, like, so we can get into spoilers. Um, I, I guess I would give it half a pan. Like, there's enough things in it, like I say, with the cast, and the action is pretty good. Um, and there's enough things that that carries with it. Um, that is make it that does make it worth not totally unworthwhile watching it. Um, even though there is, like I said, just some pacing issues and just the story is. If it was really, honestly, like maybe twenty minutes shorter, like took out some of that downtime in between, yeah. like uh, yeah. I, I did, like check, I did pause it a couple times to see how much longer was left in the movie. It 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 its runtime is a big detriment to it. Yeah, I like I said, it's there's enough in here that I don't want to say it's a bad film, but it's definitely not a. It's definitely got its issues, but um, I mean the. The cast chemistry is really what saves it for me and just how unique the story is like I feel like I feel like maybe some people that could relate to it more than I could like if there are maybe people in the military or ex-military maybe they could relate to this more than I could I don't dare I don't dare want to speak on their behalf or anything like that I'm just coming at this from my own non-military just film goer and film student perspective like it's uh just just uh half a pan sounds just about right for me I you know, it's a movie. It, it has its audience. It's it's definitely a movie that has its audience. Um, like I said, it's a movie that's kind of just there for me. Um, I had I had some issues with the performances. Um, its runtime runs a little long, but there's nothing there. Like there's nothing horrible about the movie. It's not got any horrendous moments really. Um, it's just it's just kind of there. Um, the highlight of the movie to me um, is the soundtrack. Um, Metallica is my favorite band of all time, ever. Um, and it's got two Metallica songs in it, uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls and Orion, which it's kind of surprising to see Orion in it. Um, just because Metallica, A, they don't really license their songs out for movies all that often. Um, and B... Um, Orion in the Metallica catalog of songs, Orion is kind of the most revered. If it's not the most revered, it's within like the top 10 or top five. Um, it was Cliff's song. Uh, he wrote a baseline and then they wrote a song around a baseline. Um, and when he died, they had never played the whole song. Um, Jason Newstead, when he was the bassist with the band for about 15 years he never played the whole song the first time it was played live was when they did the master of puppets album 20 year anniversary um where they played the whole album in a concert was the first time they ever played that song they almost never play it um so to see them send it out to a movie when it's kind of like their most almost sacred song to them it seems like was surprising but you know i i love that song it's one of my favorite songs to play uh, they have uh, a Pantera song in there too. I, th- I can't remember. You know, it's been a, a couple of days since I saw it. I think it was "Walk," was the Pantera song that was in it. Um, so if you're you would you would you would know more than me. If you're a heavy metal <laughs> fan, it's got good music in it. Um, the thing is, those songs total probably are only 15 minutes long, and they don't. Orion's the only one they play the whole song of, and that's at the credits. Um, oh, they pl- they play less than a they play less than a minute of each song too. Yeah. Like I remember from Who the Bell Tolls was like right in the beginning yeah. in that helicopter, and then they just kind of stopped. Yeah. Um, but you know that that to me is the highlight of the movie is whoever made it and m- picked the music has a good taste in music in my book. Um, <laughs> I you know 
it's I'm ha I have a really hard time giving it a, a rating um, just because you know like we like we said um, our expect it didn't really meet our expectations and I don't want to necessarily give it a bad grade just because I was disappointed by the movie um, so I you know I go I'm going back and forth between a single brownie and half a pan. Um, some somewhere in between there for me. Um, gotcha. It's like a like a like a quarter pan. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it's okay. It's okay. Um, I think it's a movie that would be much more entertaining if it was with a group of people, and it was a movie that you just like, like say you had a group of friends coming over that you hadn't seen in a long time, and you're like, hey, we're just going to put this on for background noise, and then we can talk about, like, if there's an explosion or some crazy thing happening. Um, but other than that, uh, I don't really have a, a strong... I, it's a, it's weird. It's a movie that I don't have strong feelings for in any way. Well, I mean, there's nothing... I mean, nothing wrong with that. I mean, like, I mean... Yeah, it just that, and that's a detriment to the movie in, in your eyes. Like just the fact that uh, it didn't give you a reaction, more or less, like that passionately one way or the other. And like that's something I don't look forward to. Like if if that happens to me in a movie, that that's it's a bummer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's our spoiler-free look into uh, Triple Frontier. Uh, as is the case every week, if you don't want to hear anything about major plot details, anything like that. Just go ahead and skip all the way to the music, and we're going into a spoiler zone. We're going to talk about all the nitty-gritty details of Triple Frontier, and uh, yeah, the the movie itself, I mean, I like I said in my summation of it, I thought it had a really good start of the film. Um, I thought it was, I thought it, it made a pretty cool, uh, a pretty cool uh, sequence when they... Uh, broke into uh, the drug dealer's house or the drug lord's house. Um, but before that too, like um, uh, the sequence uh, when they, uh, when they're, was that a drugstore that they were hiding out in or a laundromat? Like whatever, whatever building that they were in that Oscar Isaac was leading that separate. Oh, it was uh, uh, the Brazilian, was a the Brazilian police. Oh, what? It was a discotheque. The oh, okay. Discotheque. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, that that very first sequence with Oscar Isaac and the Brazilian police. Um, I thought <laughs> were, that was really. Were they shooting a discotheque with grenade launchers? Yeah, right. I thought that was really cool, and like, um, I it was pretty intense. I thought like just the bullets flying, and then like some of the bodies dropping. Like I was like, oh wow, the movie, you're setting the bar kind of high for the action already. Yeah. I'm like, all right, let's let's do this. Like, and then from there, like that was a cool little. I thought that was a cool little prologue to. Um, to him trying to get the band back together like um because then from there that's when we um we get introduced to charlie hunnam who um he was talking to people who were leaving the reserves right yeah you know you you talking about getting the band back together you know what this movie is what? it's the blues brothers with with uh, assault rifles what? <laughs> <laughs> and in case you're wondering that right there quote of the week yes <laughs> blues brothers with guns well the blues brothers had but guns no, the, uh, this is blues brothers with yeah. assault rifles <laughs> yeah the uh, <laughs> the um but no um so he's 
so Charlie Hunnam, we're introduced to him. He's one of these uh, five guys that are all ex-special ops with uh, Oscar Isaac. He um, is just telling the recruits um, in one of the many scenes in this film that very, very heavy handedly is advocating and talking to post-war life for veterans. It's um, that's obviously a very big point in this film mm-hmm. that I feel like came from Mark Bowl because of um, because of his background with um, the very militaristic films. And I believe he was a, re- a reporter for a while, too, like a wartime reporter before. Yeah. Um, becoming a film writer and producer um not to say that not to say that nothing's wrong with that message um of course the uh uh it's just it's not it's in the context of the film it's just not handled that that depth that depthly it's kind of heavy-handed it's, it's, in a way it's that was kind of distracting it's a good point but it's made in a very surfacey manner yeah, there's it's uh I use the word nuance a lot in this podcast and there's not really that much like nuance in the dialogue like the, the the motivations of these characters and the actual story that these guys go through like partly motivated because they want they need the money yeah and they all to certain extents feel like the the government and the country that they've all made these sacrifices for like getting shot or yeah. uh, sacrificing the time away from their family like didn't give them anything back well in the 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 line uh, that Oscar Isaac makes to Ben Affleck of how many times you get shot for your country and you can't afford a nicer truck. And then he gets out of the truck and I was like, it's not even that bad of a truck. Like, yeah, yeah. It's kind of older. It's maybe like an O. I don't know trucks all that well, but I would say it's probably like an O four O five. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a little newer than that. But yeah. just looking at it, I was like, I mean, yeah, the paint's not that bad, not that great, but there's really no rust on it, and it's running, and he's never complaining about, oh, the alternator keeps going, or it keeps going through, uh, yeah, uh, uh, keeps going through different issues with uh, the uh, cooling system, things like. Like he doesn't really complain. Either. He's just like, he just rips on his truck and he gets out. And I was like, the truck's honestly kind of average. Um, well, yeah, I mean, not. To, well, I mean, not to get so. I mean, not to say that the truck's a big part of it, but, like, using that also when, um, that's the kind of the tail end of the conversation that he has when he does meet Ben Affleck, because, uh, he, we see Charlie first, and then he meets Charlie, and he says he's only in it if Ben's gonna be doing yeah. it, so he meets Ben, and Ben is, uh, he is divorced, and he has a kid, and, he is selling uh, condos, but obviously poorly. not that very not poorly doing selling that. condos. Oh, oh my, oh my God! Yeah, he's he's got about as much motivation in his pitch for this crappy condo. I, I just like, like I, I to me the best summation of his skills selling condos is when he walks in and he goes, and here's the lovely view you have from the bedroom, and it just shows a roof with a vent on it, and he just looks at the people, and he doesn't like, like he just looks like he wants to be like. I'm sorry you're going through this. And then he just walks out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> He's clearly not, that's clearly not the job he wants. Yeah. And so when Oscar says, goes to him, he's, he's trying to pitch it to him and, but uh, he doesn't want to, he's retired. He's too old for it. Um, and he makes, he makes some pretty valid points, but um, obviously he's going to come around. Uh they're going to go talk to the third member and the fourth member at this uh, fighting match because it turns out, uh, um, I don't remember if Pedro Pascal's character was like his 
ringside guy they're, or they're brothers, he just met up at the same time? They're brothers and he was his ringside and trainer guy. Got, oh, okay, they were brothers too. I forgot that part. Um, but no, the other two guys, um, yeah, they're just in this... I wouldn't be surprised if that was like the um, the convention center area of a hotel, really, where this clearly like makeshift uh, uh, amateur MMA fight was. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they all meet at this MMA fight because that's how that guy's making money, and they all de- they all decide to go with Oscar to Brazil to do just a reconnaissance mission first, just kind of scope it out, consult and allow him to allow Oscar to use that info to handle the mission himself with the Brazilian police. But to surprise twist, he wants to keep the band there and do it themselves because the police are only going to give him 25% of the money and he wants to give the money to all of them, split it five ways. And obviously that is a criminal activity that is breaking the law. That is, some real cowboy outlaw stuff going well, on. He also he which also says F- too. He's like, you know, if I do this with the police, they're gonna tip him off, and he and it's not gonna happen. Well, they're no, they'll find out easier. It's not that the police will tip the guy off. It's uh, they'll just they'll find out because they're bug they they spy on the police all the time yeah. to like just in part of their conflict. So they all, uh, more or less, they all just kind of agree reluctantly, um, and then Ben Affleck gives them the worst. Uh, pep talk ever <laughs> before they go before they go into it's, the into the mission it's literally just him reading like i mean it does it's not an actual clipboard but it's basically him just running down a clipboard of reasons not to do this and he's like so yeah let's go do it you know oh yeah and by the way charlie hunnam his character more or less if you noticed a majority of the time that he was talking to oscar was just like yeah, i forgot he was in the yeah, movie this for is a, a terrible while. Yeah, this is yeah. I know this. Is, you just realized this is a terrible idea. Yeah. I told you this is a terrible idea. Yeah. Nope. That guy died. Yeah. I told you there were consequences for this, but I'm still here with you because I'm your brother. I, like I forgot. Char- Charlie Hunnam was kind of weird in this movie. He gives he gives an okay performance. Uh, I forgot he was in the movie for a big chunk of time, and I don't really know why. I don't know if his character didn't have lines or what. But, well, he's the character that I got. That, he's the character that got shot when they when they yeah. actually do the mission. But also at the very beginning of the movie, it's him talking to a bunch of soldiers, and he talks about you know after he got out of the military, he was shopping with his family, and he just grabbed a guy by the throat and picked him up because he asked him to move his cart and he didn't. And I don't know why, but just his delivery, like the way he was reading those lines, were so dispassionate. He was like. It, it honestly, it came across like he's at an AA meeting and he's in, embarrassed of his actions, but there's no remorse. He's just <laughs> embarrassed. And he was just like, I picked, I, I, next thing I know, I'm standing there in the cereal aisle with my hand around some stranger's throat, all because he wouldn't move his cart when I asked him to. That's I, as much I inflection say... as he puts into that line. And I was like, you don't really sound sad. You just sound like I'm bored and I'm kind of embarrassed about what I did. Yeah, well, to be fair, I mean, I am a big fan of Sons of Anarchy, but uh, I saw his acting limitations in the seven years of that show being on. Yeah. So I'm kind of wasn't. I mean, that's the what you get out of him in this movie is kind of what you get out of him in anything. Yeah. I mean, to the extent that I, I didn't dare watch that King Arthur film that he was in because that looked terrible. But, um, so anyway, they, um. After the reconnaissance mission and he tricks them, they go do the mission. 
and it turns out that uh, the guy's missing, and there's no money. Oh no, what do we do? You brought us here for nothing. And then, in a moment that I call to comparison with Arrested Development, and all the too money fast, is... too furious. Yes, yes. <laughs> all the money is lined in the house. The house is completely lined with money. Literally the whole house. Yeah, but didn't, didn't you just... know that counts as insulation? It's really good insulation. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> so he... So... I say that's like Arrested Development because it reminds me of uh, the banana stand when they set it on fire and Jeffrey Tambor is just like, what did you think I meant by there's always money in the banana stand? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so they start tearing up the house and they start stealing the money and they realize there's way too, there's way more there's money than they like, anticipated. They've got, um, the whole house is lined with money. They've got, like, <laughs> they've got a, uh, Chevy, uh, Packer van. Uh, yeah. full of bags. They then have later easily, happen upon an SUV. Like, uh, yeah. How they happen upon it is with bullets in the bodies of the people that were driving it. Um, yeah. And they fill that with money. They've got it. It's just, it's eventually later in the movie, they talk about how much they have when they make it somewhere. And that it's like $245 oh, it's... million dollars in yeah. In U.S. one hundred dollar bills. Yeah. Which I don't know why that guy had U.S. currency if he's in another country. I mean, I I yeah, know it happens, but... but they they only got U.S. currency. He didn't have any other currencies. Seemed kind of weird. Yeah. It didn't sound like he was doing it or anything international either, because Oscar Isaac was just like, "I'm trying to fix Brazil, but this guy is." Making they, a whole mess of things. He he said something. He says something along the lines of, "It's he's going to make a mess, and the other cartels will move in and t- and pick up for him, or something like that." It was weird. Okay, um, but then anyway, so they get the money, but uh, Ben Affleck gets greedy. They go off schedule, and then they have to end up killing a bunch of guards that weren't there when they first got there, mm-hmm. and then they burn the house down too, um, just to stick it to him that he won't get to keep any of the money that they couldn't take. So. Um, the woman that um, no 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 it's not that shouldn't... he won't not that he gets any of the money they won't take because they kill him during the raid oh right he's they okay. they freak out because the the plan is they're gonna basically invade his home kill him uh they're gonna knock the guards unconscious and then they're gonna take his money and leave before his family gets back from church but right, when yeah. they get there they can't find him. And he's got a basically a panic room safe, and he pops out. He shoots Charlie Hunnam, and then they kill him. Not Charlie yeah, Hunnam. The, they they the, killed the drug dealer, Larea, 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 or something like that. Yeah, um, j- but that was that was such an anticlimactic like, boo! And then they shoot him, and then like, oh, well, there he was the whole time. Now he's dead. All right, let's go. Like, yeah, that just felt so anticlimactic. It's a lot of things um, in this movie that didn't live up to the expectation in my head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, but that was the point when um, I realized that okay, this clearly wasn't the movie. The movie is all this aftermath. So they escape. The woman who was on the inside, who was the mole um, for for Oscar Isaac, he gives her money and uh, her brother, son, was it her brother? Brother. Yep, brother. Okay, yeah, it was her brother. He gives them passports to go to Australia. He gives them seventy five million dollars, and then they book it to this airstrip where they are going to fly themselves um, 
out uh, over the uh, which not the Al- was it the Alps? No, not the no, not the Alps. I don't locations know, I mixed up. It was it was a mountain range. Andes, uh, the Andes, yes, yes, you're right. The Andes. They have to fly over the Andes to get to the ocean to get to their next uh, safe spot to uh, move the money. Uh, but then the helicopter that they get through a connection through Charlie, um, is, there's too much weight because there's yeah, too much money. The, there's too much they weight. They grab they grab so much money that. Uh, I think he said it's 5,000 pounds of currency, um, and that yeah. thing is only rated – because they have to go to a certain uh, like height level. He's like, if we're going to get over those mountains, we have to we go, have to go to a certain height level over sea level because um, the, yeah, they they're going to they can... carry it in a net that's hanging below the helicopter. So the helicopter still has like 20, 30 feet hanging below it, um, and they, they – He's telling him, he's like, this thing isn't going to get enough lift. That air is going to be too thin, and it's going to stall out the motors. Yeah. But, yeah, they, the helicopter's not rated for the amount of weight based on how high they need to fly. Yeah, so obviously motor gives out, or some some part, it, basically the helicopter gives out. It, it blows, it, he says it blows one of the, one of the two motors or something blows, I don't know. Yeah, and then they crash in this field. And, um, I mean, they try to salvage the, they try to save the plane by dropping the money, which lands by this village. And then the helicopter crashes anyway. And so they have, so now this is the rest of the film. The rest of the film is now they have to move this money by foot through wherever on earth they are in South America. And they get, they first get to this first village, um, that thinks they're DEA. And then they get into a firefight and, Basically, they kill like four or five, five men, and then they kind of just pay their way out. Well, but when they so throughout the movie, whenever they come to like a really difficult decision, um, that you know morally, you know if it's one of those ones where morally it's it's murky. Uh, if it's you know, I mean, yeah, you're gonna have to murder people, but um, yeah, from a strategy standpoint. You know, you have to live, you know, you're in the military, your, your goal is to succeed and live as you succeed. So, uh, Ben Affleck throughout the movie, I mean, initially I don't really agree with him when he's being greedy and keeps saying to take more money, but when he's, when he's coming up with battle plans and he's, and he's making split second decisions that end up getting not his people killed, but end up getting people like more people killed than they thought they, that they thought they would have to kill. I, you know, I, it's funny cause the movie's like painting him like he's the one that's the bad person in the group. And I was like, I kind of agree with him. Like he's making sure that his it people kinda, live. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of his character, the accountant, not the, not the like autistic part, but like the fact that he already just in the, the, the night he took to read that file between when he first saw Oscar Isaac and the next day, he just complete blueprint in his mind about what to do complete yeah. uh photographic memory like that kind of preci- precision detail precision. and when they're like and when he was just like when he was just like it's seven minutes for them to go this way and it's seven minutes for them to go this way they're gonna be in church for this much amount of time i gave us a 15 minute cushion we're taking more money i was like damn dude yeah. like it's like he, yeah yeah you thought this through like he uh you know it <laughs> you can correct me if i'm wrong a lot of this movie i don't remember because it it just kind of passed over i don't remember if they give like an (laughs) in-depth decision of uh or in-depth discussion of what each person did in the military other than like you did this and this but like he clearly was the guy no not real no i don't i don't remember anything he he clearly was a plan a 
quick plan maker of you know things like that. But the the scene where well he was well he it was implied that he was like the leader of the yeah. group. The scene where they crash and the village thinks they're DEA. Uh, they have to, they, the bag they're carrying underneath that has like $240 million or something, uh, of cash in it. It's a, it's a cargo net underneath the helicopter. And as they're crashing, they're like, we have to cut this net because we, we can't have this as we're crashing. Uh, if we do, it's gonna, it's gonna, it will kill us because it'll throw the weight around differently. Yeah. And so, uh, the, the village people are gathering around this net and they tell them we need you to move away from this we have people coming we need to get the get the stuff and they said no and they realize it's money and they start taking it and uh one of them pulls a knife as they're t- like it's getting more intense it's getting more heated uh the argument's getting a lot more shouty and a lot less talky um and one of the guys pulls a knife Ben Affleck pulls a, just points his gun and shoots him because the guy pulls a knife and starts stepping towards him. And Oscar Isaac gives him, like turns and looks at him like, "What'd you do that for?" And I was like, "He pulled a knife and was making and in a heated situation was moving towards you guys to do you harm. That's self-defense. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that." But yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right. And I, but it, it's, uh, I, he would ask that because he was thinking that he was doing okay de-escalating the situation, which clearly he wasn't. So, um, <laughs> the volume went so up. Like so no, he did not. <laughs> yeah, but no, like that's an interesting point of for Oscar Isaac's character because he's such in the state of denial all the way through. Like, once they leave this village, they get the donkeys to carry the money, um, and then. They lose one of the donkeys when they're going down. Uh, oh, what do they call that it? They had the, 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 smugg- the, smu- the smugglers, smugglers trail. trail. That was to me just that side of the mountain that's barely like four feet wide. That, that was the most to me the most unique scene in the movie. Like I said, throughout this movie, I kept thinking, you know, I've seen this done better in other movies. The scene where the donkey dies is the only time I I, I had like a ver- a moment where I verbalized something watching the movie, and. As the donkey starts falling, he, the guy's got a lead rope on his hand, and one, you know, my my sister's really into uh, horses. Uh, when I was younger, I volunteered at a horse camp a bunch. You have to lead horses with lead ropes all the time. And the one thing that they taught you immediately is they're like, you know, these are fight or flight animals. They tend to they tend to do the flight part way before they do the fight part. So if they're gonna go, they will drag you. Don't wrap your hand around the lead rope. Well, these guys are walking the donkeys, and as the donkey starts falling, I went, get the lead rope off your hand. Like, not <laughs> not pull the donkey so it lives. It was as soon as it starts going, I was like, get the lead rope off your hand, and just whatever happens, happens. And the, it gives way, and the donkey basically, um, it's like in a, it's like in uh, The Empire Strikes Back when uh, Luke gets his hand cut off and you watch it fall. They do that with a donkey yeah. with bags full of money. And it hits a cliff. Oh, and the bags just ex- and the bags just explode. Yeah. So, thinking thinking about the bags exploding on impact, I was like, man, that's really gross. If you can see the donkey, but there's so much dust, you can't see the donkey. But I was like, that thing exploded on impact. It just went. Yeah, this movie. This. Yeah, this movie had bloody violence, but I'm glad that it didn't show the donkey's corpse. <laughs> that would have been a little much. Um. So then, anyway, they. Uh, so after the village and the trail, they. Uh, there, this is when the movie, to me, starts having a lot of pacing issues because here it's we're only like forty-five-ish minutes into the film, and then I get no, what the intent... we've got like forty-five minutes left in the film at that point, I think. Okay, well, it sure it sure felt like we didn't hit the halfway point <laughs> because there's so much downtime. Like 
and I get what the point of this is, and I can see why the, this director was hired to do this because he does do a lot of character-driven stories with a lot of dialogue, but um, just so much downtime with them, just with that dialogue that we were mentioning before about like it's so heavy-handed and it's so like there there's chemistry between them that like. I can I can believe that these guys were in a team together, but just it's so the dialogue is just so I don't know it's just such lame dialogue. There's nothing really unique about like just it's kind of it felt like it was a first draft where you're just like yeah hanging they just kind of hang their emotions out like and don't I don't know. There wasn't anything really particularly. It's, it's dialogue. About this dialogue. It's dialogue to get the point across. It's just so heavy-handed. It's not very nuanced. Yeah, it's very heavy. It's very heavy-handed. Yeah. Like it's kind of. There wasn't any real. It didn't add any depth to these characters. Like I wasn't feeling like I was really learning anything about these characters, or really like do anything that they were saying was getting me anything to empathize with them more than I already was. Like because like who they are as characters are interesting, but nothing that they were saying were adding anything like to make them anything unique or memorable. Yeah. And I was just, we're just kind of like you said, we're just kind of there with them. And it's just like, okay, well, this is some downtime. Well, let's okay. Let's get going. Um, but luckily it's interrupted. Um, this, all this downtime gets interrupted with, um, honestly, a scene that I was kind of really, uh, shocked by, uh, not the fact, like the fact that, um, not the fact that somebody was following them, but like the fact that, it was the kid from the village that was following them. Oh, dude! The uh, moment, he starts, the moment sniping where he starts sniping them when they uh, when they're leaving the village, when he stands in front of the road, I was like, he's gonna follow him and kill Ben Affleck. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of figured that kid was gonna come into it somehow. I didn't think that he was gonna snipe him off the side of a mountain. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, it made sense after the fact that um, when they get separated, trying to figure out how many there are, where the guy's coming from. Um, when Ben Affleck killed that first sniper, uh, I did genuinely was just like, oh, whew, well, that was that was good, and then um, and then they don't say it off the bat, like they kind of give you that information that it was the kid from the village, like say it verbally, like way later, but yeah, so when um Ben Affleck f- first kills the guy, uh, I was just like, whoo, awesome, we're all done, but then the yellow shirt pops up, and then it's just like. Oh, okay. Now here's where the kid gets his revenge. Bye, Ben. Yeah. And then, but I was, but still, I was still, I was still pretty shook by that. Like, I was, I was genuinely sad that Ben Affleck got killed. I, I was sad that Ben Affleck got killed. Um, I knew it was coming. Like I said, the moment, the moment they're leaving the village where Ben Affleck killed a bunch of people, the one of the people he killed was that kid's dad. And as soon as they were, walking out of that village and the kid just blocks the road with his body. It's like, well, one, he just shot your dad. He can easily shoot you. But then the old man's like, they bought their donkeys and they, they paid to let them go. Um, as soon as they walked by, I was like, that kid's going to track him down and kill him. But the th- I didn't like how he died. Um, you know, Ben, I don't want to say he's an action star, but you know Ben yeah. Ben Affleck is the most physically imposing Batman I've ever seen. He's huge. He's a big, large, muscly guy, and they kill him by having him stand there. A shadow goes over his back. He turns around and looks, and just stares up and gets a bullet in his forehead. And I was like, 
that just, I was like, really? He he goes out like honestly, kind of like a punk. He he goes down without a fight, really. I thought that was so cold, though. I kind of loved how cold that was. That like, the kid just was able to exact his revenge, like, and just do it with that much ease. And then Ben, the face that Ben made when he realizes, oh shoot, this is it. Yeah. Like that little moment before he shot him. Like I thought that was honestly one of the better scenes in the whole film. Like just how just cold-blooded and unexpected that was like at least to me like the fact that it was the kid in the soccer jersey like oh, okay well that makes sense i should have yeah. saw that coming but but yeah um, then then they spend time on on the mountain uh figuring out how to get down and get to their boat and then they, they... well they all have they it's a it's a genuinely touching scene though when they all are freaking out like they just lost one of their guys yeah. like i like i i i was still i was i don't know i bought all that when uh, the two the the two guys that could dig in the fight get in the fight and then um this <laughs> back to what I was saying before about Charlie Hunnam like um, this was this it took it took Ben Affleck dying not the plane crash for Oscar Isaac to finally realize oh this was a horrible idea to begin with <laughs> uh yeah yeah <laughs> um but I mean like if we've been it's uh we're pushing a little bit here so um. They uh they do keep pushing uh through the mountains. Um, they have to they decide they're gonna carry Ben as well, and um, and then uh they get to the point where um, are where they're they're uh finally off the mountain or no not off the mountain. Uh, remind me when was the point like when they just they decide they're gonna get rid of the money because they can't get it past all the kid guards they so they send um, they send one of the guys down he goes and inspects the city he makes sure that the, oh right, makes right, right. Sure that the yeah. boat's there but they find out that basically the drug dealers remaining guys are basically there to attack and they're like we can't carry all this money so right, they, they right. ditch it in a ditch and then um literally they just throw it down in, like in in like a ditch and then they, yeah. they they just carry the money they have in their backpacks they get they get to the boat after a chase, and then they get back to the. They get back somewhere, and they. Di- di- there's a scene where they're dividing up the portions, and they all they yeah. all end up giving their portion of a million dollars to Ben Affleck's family. So Ben Affleck's family gets five million dollars. The movie. Yeah. The movie ends with them talking on the street, and then one of the characters gives Oscar Isaac a piece of paper that has uh, GPS coordinates. That is where they dump the money. Orion starts playing, and it goes to credits. Yeah, um, a couple things that happened in that ending, though. Like, I thought that chase, um, when they find that car, because um, they are just walking by themselves um, after they ditch the money. Yeah. Um, and then that chase after they find that car, because it belonged to one of those uh, drug dealers, or one of the people who worked for the drug dealer. I honestly really loved that sequence, that chase. I thought that was really cool, uh, getting to the shoreline, like trying to escape from all that gunfire. I really loved that sequence. Um which is, I mean, there aren't that many. Like I said, there's the sea, there's the house siege, there's the sniper attack, and then there's that. That's kind of a problem with the film that a movie about these now outlaws. You have three actions, or four if you count count the prologue. There's only four action sequences in this film. Yeah, and that, and it feels like it's, it's it feels like it's years in between each one of them. Well, what's funny is you'll have uh, you'll have an action sequence, and then it feels like there's four action sequences, and it seems like. It goes one two, huge gap, one two. Yeah, yeah. No, that's and that's part of the pacing problems with this film. Yeah. Uh, but then, 
Yeah, the, um, I missed that detail, or, well, I missed two details. One, where on earth are they? What, they're, they're, what, what country is that office in? I don't know what country it's in, but they're clear, they're laundering the money back into the States. Um, I don't know, okay. I don't know exactly where it is, but it's still in South America because of, you, you can just tell by the architecture and the way the street is. Okay. Um, where there's, there's I, people, I knew it w- there's a bunch of people walking around. There's a couple older parked cars. Um, and there's people riding around on motor scooters and there's, there's street vendors. So it's somewhere in South America, but it doesn't explicitly say where. Okay. That's good to know because I was like, wait, where, where are these guys? We saw them in the ocean and now we're in an office. Like, um, but then I missed that detail about the, the money coordinates. Um, I completely, I just, I don't know. Well, honestly, at that, whatever that exact, whatever the visual Whatever the visual of in one ear out the other, I just completely missed that, that detail. At that exact moment, he says something about he doesn't directly say here's where you'll find the money, but he he yeah. just gives them. They're they're talking about like, they're talking about something. I honestly, after they got well, out of the office, I checked out pretty hard. Um, <laughs> like the literally well, they were all the last talking two about... minutes of the movie, I don't know what the conversation is, but he. They're, it's all just it's all just casual like, uh, what are you gonna do now? Yeah. We lost our friend and we don't have money. But like, he hands him a piece of paper and it's got GPS coordinates. And the only thing that would make sense to me is that it's for the money. Um, oh, okay. So maybe so so maybe it wasn't, and I didn't miss that detail. Maybe. Maybe, but I, honestly, you know, I can't. I, I can't remember. I don't know because they walk over and they toss it, and then they have like a they don't have comms, but they have a GPS. So that's I think that's what they wrote, but. By that point, yeah. by that point, I was like, "Please end." <laughs> <laughs> I, I was at that point. Yeah, I mean, I was ready for the movie to be done too. Like, I kind of wasn't surprised at all. It ended the way it did. Um, and I feel bad I didn't do any homework on this. I kind of just, I kind of went into this assuming it was based on a true story, yeah. but I kind of wish I. Uh, I mean, if not, I mean, if not, I mean, that's kind of the. It makes sense that yeah. the movie would make itself end this way. Um, and the um yeah it's i i love that the i love that the rat ended up getting out better than they did yeah um whatever her name was i can't remember her name but um but yeah just i mean that's triple frontier yeah. it's um it's it's not it's not a great film i like i like i said at the top of this i still give it half a i still give it half a pan um i i do i do have issues with it but i i think if you are a fan of this cast I think you're still going to take something away from this uh, or, or still enjoy a, ma- a majority of this film kind of like I did. But um, I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, it definitely makes sense why this is on Netflix. Um, oh, before we go though, I do know why it's on Netflix because this movie went through a whole huge mess of production cycle. Like uh, how I mentioned Mark Bull and Catherine Bigelow were our partners together um, in filmmaking she was going to direct this film, but she opted out uh, to direct uh, Detroit instead. Mm. And just uh, long story short, like Charlie Hunnam wasn't going to be in the film. And then he came back. Uh, tons of people were attached to this film and then ended up opting out of it. Like uh, uh, Channing Tatum was attached to be in this film and then dropped out. Um, it just, it took forever for some reason to, uh, to work to get all the logistics worked out on this film. I yeah. think it was technically like in production since 2010 and then Universal had the rights to it and then they finally just gave up on it like in 2015 
15 or 16, I want to say, yeah. but, um, but no, this was, this kind of just ended up uh, at, at Netflix because Universal gave up yeah. on trying to produce this film. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's disappointing. It doesn't live up to its expectations, but it's not a bad movie. Um, after talking about it for as long as we did, you know, our Brownie Points reviews, it's, it's not a star system. It's basically how much do we enjoy the movie. I'm more comfortable giving it a definitive single brownie. You know, it's it was okay, but I'm not going back for seconds. Um, yeah, it's just, it's okay. All right. Well, on that note, we have an appointment with the time machine once again. We are going back to 1989 to join Bill and Ted on their excellent adventure. We will be right back. <laughs> All right, welcome back, everybody. Once again, it is time for The Time Machine. This week, Nick and I went back to 1989 to watch the cult classic Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And Nick, before we continue on, may I have your permission to refer to us through the rest of the episode as the Earl of Mahan and the Duke of Brown. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) word um <laughs> whatever so your boat, man. <laughs> all right so what's unique about this trip into the time machine not just the fact that it's a movie about time again <laughs> but um it's the fact that nick and i have never seen this or a uh, bogus journey before so um nick what did you what did you think of uh bill and ted what was your what's your what was your impression of these um guys? My impression of these guys, teens, whatever. Well, no, no, no. Stoners. I mean, the, the I, I characters. Mean, not really, not really stoners. Um, the mo- the movie, uh, you know, it, it it writes these characters. They're supposed to be, you know, burnouts, you know, stoners and stuff like that. Um, but the way they're written, it kind of comes across like uh, they have like a mental handicap of some sorts and not that they're high um well i don't i don't know if high i don't know if high is exactly well, it, at I the mean, beginning like, of the movie the, the garage kinda... door lifts and smoke pours out of it so they were clearly hot boxing in there no no remember they broke they broke their amp oh okay never mind yeah they maybe they weren't high um yeah no i i, I don't think it, yeah i don't think it was quite stoner i think it was just kind of that kind of lazy skater boy kind or not even skater boy just kind of like a that lazy, that kind of sub sub lazy dude, like uh, not burnout, but just the. We just want to start a band. We don't need school. We just want to be rock stars. Need, like that kind of teenage stereotype. That wasn't we need, like. I mean, they drank, but no, I don't. I don't think stoners a not the one quite where right. we need Eddie Van Halen. No, to get Eddie Van Halen, we need to do, have a really good video, or write a really good song with a really good video. No, we need to have really good instruments. Well to do that or no like they just have this really weird circle of like what they need for their band and i was like you guys just need to practice your instruments yeah <laughs> no that yeah that was like the chicken to the egg uh, chicken to the egg they're like no to get eddie van halen we need a great video but no we're not going to get eddie unless we have a great video <laughs> right on like <laughs> i uh That's, you know, but no anyway what's uh what you what do you think of this film for your first uh, viewing I'm glad it picked up. 
you know, at when it started, you know, I, you know, me and you, uh, when we watched movies in high school and college, was was one of the first ones we watched Pineapple Express. I think we watched Pineapple Express when we when I yeah, visited so, you. Yeah, so you know, I uh, I I uh, I like stoner comedies, um, but the uh, the thing with them that I've noticed for me is I'm either going to love the movie, or it's gonna do almost nothing for me, and I I don't know what the differentiation is, um, but it's it's literally it's either love or meh. Um, this one started out very strongly in the meh category, um, about the last 50 minutes, 45 to 50 minutes of the movie is when it picked up and I started liking it. Like I started laughing at jokes. I started, uh, uh, finding things funny and I started being interested in the story a little bit, but at, at the beginning of it, I was like, I really hope that this picks up. Cause if not, this is going to be a long 90 minutes. Yeah, that's a, that's about where I'm at with it too. Um, the first, yeah, because this movie's super short. Like it's like eighty, maybe it's like even like eighty five minutes, like uh, somewhere in that like barely hour and a yeah. half range. But yeah, oh my gosh, I was compl- I was on that same page as you um, for the first like fifteen minutes of it. Like uh, I really didn't like Bill and Ted. Oh, dude, for me it was the first forty five minutes of the movie. I was just sitting there, was like, please come on. Please get good. I did, yeah. There's like they grow. They grew. They definitely grew on me. But right off the bat, like just the redundancy of the joke and everything is the same joke. Just the just the whole joke is, hey, we're lazy, but we're charismatic, and we always think things are fun. What was the joke like, where they were like, he's a this dude? He's he, so what you're saying is Napoleon is a short dead dude. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, and they and they and hold the, uh... a pause. It's like, all right, laugh, because they hold on that so the class can laugh, and it's obviously built in so it's like the audience can laugh. I was like, this isn't funny. Yeah, no, everything in that first part was like not that funny. Like when they are, uh, when they're being threatened to get flunked out of school. I guess it didn't. The teacher didn't sound like they were flunking. They weren't out flunking of school, out of school, but, but like... they were going to flunk the class, and it doesn't say if they're seniors or not. And because um, that's yeah, the impression like I if, got it's, is, well, if they flunk this, it's bad for them because they're seniors and they won't technically graduate. But it's not fully established. But well, th- the other reason it's yeah, bad it's is not established. If- it's not established that it's going to happen to uh, one of the kids. Uh, Keanu Reeves, yeah, Keanu, well, Keanu Reeves is going to go to military school yeah. if he flunks. It's not really clear what happens to the other kid. I guess he gets held back. Yeah, his parents are really weird because. Uh, they build up that his mom is his stepmom's supposed to be like insanely hot and you know that oh his step no his stepmom was a senior when they were freshmen oh oh <laughs> weird yeah no you missed that yeah that was when they were that was when they um they when she first pulls up in the car to pick them up and it's your and mom, uh he's just dude and he's yeah it's your mom dude shut up ted your mom's really hot Wasn't she a shut senior? up ted it, Wasn't she a senior when we were freshmen? Shut it up, remi- Oh, okay, I missed that line. It reminded me of the scene in The Simpsons where uh, they steal Mr. Burns' yacht, and then uh, they get caught in the pirate net, and Homer goes, shut up, net face. Hey, you're in the net, too. I said shut up, net face. 
oh yeah but uh, speaking of that like after that scene i noticed when they uh when she picks him up and um they're trying to go talk about history uh trying to do the report the dad just straight up kicks them yeah. out of his own room gives them money so they can go <laughs> do stuff and then he's seductively looking at her and then they close the yeah, door here's, here's some money. and Come they're back implying and... that they're about to do something on that bed. And I was like, Ew. On his bed. They're just yeah. on his bed. Like, it's like, here, come back in a couple hours. Go have some fun. Come back in a couple hours. Like, uh, this is my room, Dad. Like, yeah. can, can you at least go yeah. to the other room? <laughs> I thought that was, I thought that yeah. was really weird. But, um, but no, like, back to the... It's just it was it was really hard for me to really get into this film, but like, um, basically, um, it wasn't the first encounter that they went on. Um, it was more or less like once I realized like, oh my god, they're just gonna kidnap people. And <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna kidnap people and make their report based on their testimonies, yeah. I guess. But um, that, or they're just gonna um, have them come talk to their class. Yeah, once it stopped, once once it just kind of got the ball rolling with that, that's when I started thinking it was really funny. Like, um, but uh, before we really get into like uh, that part of it, we gotta acknowledge um, the elephant in the room that uh, George Carlin is in this film, and we've been without him for ten years, and the world became a worse place to be in without him, in yeah. my opinion. So I thought it was so great to, I mean, I he doesn't do much in this film. I feel like I. I might be wrong. I feel like he's got a bigger role in the second film, but um, that was so refreshing for me to see his yeah. face again. And like, cause I knew that he wanted to d- get into acting outside of stand up, but he had like this and the second one. And um, that the Ben, engine, right? that Ben Affleck. Mo- Wasn't he which, like a what? voice of a character in Thomas, the tank engine? Um, uh, the TV series. Not, not he was on a children's show. Um, I can't remember offhand though. But um, but no, he was also in the Jersey Girl that uh, Ben Affleck film. Huh. But um, outside of that, he never really got to act that much. And um, I really I don't know. It just made me happy yeah. to see him in it. I thought I thought he was good in the film. I mean, given his little role as like they're kind of not Sherpa, but just kind of like um, <laughs> the in- the <laughs> him intervening and basically setting up the whole plot just uh you need to do this, uh, you need to nail this history lesson or the future is gone. Yeah. And then the the entire future is, like, them becoming, God. like, <laughs> their gods. Like, I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about, like, how yeah. that happened <laughs> because that's not really explained in there the was, film. There was a serious amount of time where I was sitting there and was like, no, can you explain that, please? <laughs> yeah, why is, why is the world, why is the mantra of your religion rock on (laughs) they just come they come up and their like secret handshake is just doing a windmill strum for a guitar yeah (laughs) jesus this movie um so anyway they um so when george carlin comes into um comes into the film they're at um the convenience store and ted says one of my favorite lines in the whole film bill there's some strange happenings going on at the Circle yeah. K. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, I don't want to call it the TARDIS, but it, dude, it's, I know you're not a Doctor Who fan. But, but I know this, what a, I know what is, an interdimensional time machine is. Yeah, and it's, and apparently it's always an old school yeah. phone booth. 
just depends if it's British or so American. It's... Yeah. So it shows up. He tells them that uh, they need to use the time machine to work on their history report. Um, and they also get a brief visit from themselves, which pays off full circle. Um, they come in and they give them some advice like, always set your watch and say hi to the princess for me. And um, really it was um, not there. It was uh, when they go to France and Napoleon is a stowaway. That's when the film started to get funny for me. Like when they drop off, um, when they drop Napoleon off at uh, their, uh, I think Bill's mm-hmm. brother's room. And they just give him money, and it's just like, go take Napoleon to a movie or something. Like <laughs> His brother's got one of the best lines in the whole movie. Uh, w- uh, which line? W- was it at the bowling alley, or was it at the, was it at the no, ice cream it was, place? It was, it was after they lose, it. They lose Napoleon. They're like, why didn't you try looking for Napoleon? And, and he essentially is like, because he's a jerk. <laughs> he doesn't say jerk. <laughs> i got to say it that way for our clean rating. But he's like, because he's a jerk. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know why that delivery's hilarious, but that delivery's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, honestly, I kind of wanted a whole separate film about Napoleon just being lost in the real <laughs> Actually, world. that'd be a really good one. I thought it was hilarious, him at the bowling alley, and, um, and then when they took him to get ice cream. <laughs> I laughed a lot when they took him what? to get ice cream because that big, it was that big bowl, and then um, when they <laughs> finished it, uh, they give him that yeah. pin, and then all the guys just swarm around yeah. him and just start chanting, Ziggy, Piggy, Ziggy, Piggy. Why did the other kids get a pin? Because they helped him eat that ice cream. I guess they just thought they and needed then, it And himself, then the other I thing, guess. too, at the bowling alley, he like he gets frustrated and embarrassed because he goes to bowl and his hand sticks in the ball and it flings him into the, into the alley. And he's embarrassed and he starts to leave. And the guy goes, you can't leave yet. You haven't paid. And I was like, why are you letting him bowl if he hasn't paid? Oh, right. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's funny that they didn't. Have I was to like, I've gone bowling, a, you know, not a ton, but I was like, I've gone bowling a handful of times. The only time I haven't had to pay right when I walked in was when I was doing some fundraiser thing for church. I was like, yeah. why didn't you make him pay before he started bowling? Right. <laughs> um. Uh, what else to talk about? Um, uh, the CGI with the time vortex. Gee, oh man, that didn't that didn't age well. Yeah, <laughs> that was all, uh, all. That was well. To be fair, you know, it looked exactly like the movie Spawn's uh, CG in a lot of sequences. So yeah, at I least mean, it was at least uh, it, it was you know eighty nine instead of whenever Spawn came out, but. Yeah, it didn't. It, yeah, Spawn was like ninety something, like ninety nine or something. Yeah. something. But yeah, it didn't. It did not age well at all. No, I, I mean, and that's just the problem. Yeah, that's that's time. just you but, know, um, you're, you're handcuffed by uh, the the technology of your time. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was fine. I guess for like what it was trying to do, but like I'm I'm so used to like Doctor Who, like when they travel through time, or like even even hyperdrive in Star Wars, yeah. like. My gosh, you couldn't even make it look like Star Wars made hyperspace look cool. You can make time well, travel look cool. Like you like... said too, this is a cult classic. So, yeah. I like just watching the movie. I was like, "There's no way a studio back then would have thrown." Because it comes across as a parody of an '80s comedy, while it's an '80s comedy. Well, that's. I mean, 
kind of, well, I mean, that's the thing, like, when something becomes, like, so, um, when something joins, like, the, the, the social lexicon of our, of, uh, our lives, like, we start emulating it and, like, tributing to it and referencing yeah. it and, like, seeing, that means when we go see the source material, I mean, it's not quite, like, you just kind of be like, oh, that's where that came from, and it, it kind of takes away from, like, the yeah. initial power of, like, where it came from because we've seen it so much in so yeah. many other ways. I feel like that kind of took away from some, some, maybe that took away from some of the humor in this, like maybe at the beginning Yeah. or, um, but I mean, speaking of aging, well, Keanu Reeves is aging spectacularly yeah. well, by the way. He looks like he just grew a beard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Like he, um, I mean, Bill, I mean, the bill is not, the bill doesn't look bad either. Um, but, uh, it's funny watching this after watching that announcement video, yeah. like, and Keanu still like looks like John Wick. Like he probably, he's probably just going to keep probably the beard has to and be like, like that for my John character's Wick's a loser, so he just doesn't ever shave. Like, pff, all right. Yeah, I, I don't really, I, I don't know. I'm kind of worried about what they're going to do for the sequel, just because it's been so long. I'm not worried because I are don't they going to do that? Are they going to do that? Are they going to do that? Stu? Are they going to do something stupid like? their kids inherit their time machine and they have to go on the adventures and it's just them in a cameo or is it like they like i don't know i someone put it in a um in a great way um this these remakes and sequels um they're pulling um they're pulling a pet cemetery okay, where I, they kind of i got the trailer for oh, that during uh the screening for us that movie looks really good yeah but um, i'm just, what i'm saying is like uh they're all these studios are trying to pull like a pet cemetery by throwing the old property into the grave and then expecting the same thing to come oh, back yeah. but uh they don't come back the sa- they don't come back the same like, oh not that road no you don't want to go down that road there yeah somebody's come by this road all the time like <laughs> no the um but so that's the only thing I'm worried about now. Like, um, like looking like thinking about it, like thinking about like watching bogus journey. Like I kind of, it helps that it's free, like on Hulu and prime, like where I watched, uh, this one, but I don't really feel like that it's really necessary. Like when the movie was done, like I kind of got why there is another one. Like I could see, I like I kind of understood why there need why another one happened because I mean obviously it was popular but like I did laugh a I did laugh a lot in the second half of the film like Napoleon by him on his own was really funny um, when uh, Socrates <laughs> <laughs> when he told Socrates we're all just dust in the wind dude like <laughs> I thought that was funny I liked I like, I didn't like uh, uh, that to me wasn't the funniest part of that scene it was when so- uh, Socrates quoted dust in the wind right after that yeah oh yeah <laughs> they, them quoting dust in the wind i didn't find all that fu- i was like yeah whatever but then when socrates quoted it ne- having never heard that song i was like that's actually pretty funny <laughs> yeah um and then i mean billy the kid the billy the kid stuff was really yeah. funny um <clears throat> when they broke out then when you gotta have <laughs> a broken the face, big bar- dude <laughs> Oh, right! Three aces! Like, <laughs> and then the whole bar fight breaks out, and they're just sitting there. We, we can't beat you funny. up, so we shouldn't fight. How about some tickets to 
to to Waterloo, where it's got the best water slides. <laughs> Man, the um, so yeah, like like I was saying, like as they kept coming together and like it, this just I guess the silliness of the film just kind of took over, and I just kind of I don't know, I just kind of bought into it, and I just started to care about the guys a little more and it was just it was so just it's the whole movie's just so ridiculous yeah. like um i don't feel bad that i wasn't really like um because we weren't born yet yeah. when this movie came out like i don't feel bad that we missed like this time that it became a thing but um <clears throat> it's not that um it's not that i don't it's not that i regret uh watching this film at all um this definitely wasn't what I was expecting yeah. at all, though. Like, I thought this was going to be, like... Like, and maybe some people are going to uh, go into the future, like... Um, I think it's fair... Maybe it's fair to say, like, this might be, like, super bad. This is... That generation's, like... Uh, are super bad. Like... Yeah. I think it's fair... That, I, think I think that's, that's a I really that's good fair. comparison. Yeah, like, just... Or, or my dad. My dad in... Uh, my dad in college... Um, or no, I think my dad was actually maybe just done with college at the time. But um, like Animal House, like for my dad's generation. I like Animal House. And then I didn't think it aged very well when I saw <laughs> I'm it. I'm a zit. But, um, Get it? <laughs> <laughs> like I just like Animal House. Like I don't think Animal House is that great. I don't think um, this. I mean, I did laugh at this film a lot, but like it's definitely not a great yeah. film. I don't. <clears throat> I don't personally understand why it's got the cult status that it does, but I mean, it, it does. There's nothing I can do about it. Like, I just think there's a lot of handful of kind of jokes that like, I think are kind of funny, like out of context. Like it's fun. Like I was talking about them out of context, but like during the film, um, like some of the, some of the things that become iconic, like, Oh my God. Like the fact, can you, I get that the joke is that your vocabulary is so small, but like, okay. Not everything is so accident and so righteous. Like that stick, that stick kind of yeah. never got better. Even though I did kind of care about the characters as the film kept going on. Yeah. One thing I think we should do, and we're gonna have to do it the next time we're together. Honestly, we should probably get drunk and watch this movie again, and see if not being uh, sober helps add to it. Well, I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't. I don't know. Maybe that's uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that's so non. There's nothing else like, I can. Eh, you know, I got nothing. I got nothing to add to that because that means we gotta watch the movie yeah. again. And I don't know if I ever need to watch this yeah, movie same. again. Um, um, I got my notes up here. Um, because there are. Um, I wrote down a few things. A few other things. Uh, um, the uh, <laughs> I like. The, I like the line. Uh. It's a history report, not a paper yeah. report. When they were in the when they were in the medieval castle, um, oh, and um, I don't think we'll get in trouble for saying it. I appreciate you censoring yourself before, but I liked when uh, the knight stabbed uh, Ted, and or what we thought was him stabbing Ted, and he's just like, "You killed Ted, you medieval dickweed!" Like, <laughs> oh well, okay. If I'm a, if that. we're if we're gonna say it, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. When he goes, "Why didn't you go find Napoleon?" He just stares at me. He's like. Cause he's a dick. Like <laughs> it was yeah. hilarious. I think. Yeah, I think we'll All be right. fine with that. I. But yeah, I just thought. I just. I just thought that medieval line yeah. was really funny. Um, and um, man, I. Uh, 
I'm not sure, honestly. Like, what would you rate it? I feel bad, like, yeah, I feel bad cutting it kind of short, but uh, oh no, no, no! One more thing before okay. we go and rate it. Um, at the very end, um, when they do their first off, who presents a history report on a stage in front of everybody like that? I don't know. I mean, like, we had to do to senior the projects and, and report to a panel, and we had to do a year-long project. That's not I, senior project. Isn't just a history report. Like what? What mandated this history? What the the, the importance of this history report? I didn't understand. Like why this one specific class? Like it's not like our senior projects where it was a big thing that we didn't have a dedicated class to. Like it was a big thing that we did have to make a big presentation for. Like uh, this was just uh, this was just history awesome. class, and you and they got to rent out the whole auditorium. I'll, t- I'll for tell you it? what dictates that. A poorly thought out what? script. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that I was just like, okay, this is kind of a big deal for just a history report. Um, but then um, the uh, their presentation, they did they they got away with doing a lot of staging yeah. for it in production yeah. for it. Like, I texted you during the film. I was like, how on how on earth did they coordinate this? <laughs> Especially like, the fact that they had to rush just to get there. They didn't have any time to set it up. And and as yeah. they started, their their teachers like everything's done. There's no we're one presentation short, but thank you all. And they're like, nope, we're going now. Like, <laughs> how did you set up a yeah. stage? <laughs> you just got here. Where'd you get the lights from? There's no way the high school had the lights set up like that. <laughs> Where and. Uh, School of Rock points out a really big flaw in that, where they're like, where they go, let's play the other kids' song, and the guy's like, all the lighting is to the other song. This one, it's like, when did you have time to program a light show? <laughs> yeah, did another kid have a light show too? Because they just had the, didn't the kid just have the curtain in front of him during? Yeah, the they were the, I think they like... were the only, because everyone just stood at a podium and like read their essay basically, and theirs I think is the only one that actually had the curtain drawn. Yeah. Um, man, that's it. But then, I mean, that presentation was funny. And then, um, oh, I'm, I'm completely glossing over the ball when them as a collective, when they went to a ball, um, and before they got to go to the ball, <laughs> the stepmom was like, I'm not letting you go with my car until you do all of your chores. And it had like that 80s <laughs> yeah. of them cleaning the house. <laughs> they got, they got Abraham Lincoln vacuuming and, uh, <laughs> Genghis, oh, Genghis Khan, Genghis Khan drinking Billy, out of Billy the Billy the kid scrubbing the bathtub. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Joan of Arc, um, what was Joan of Arc doing? She was, um, I can't remember what Joan of Arc was doing, but um, I, uh, them all running around the mall. Um, Soc- Socrates um, and Billy the Kid hitting on those girls at the table. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then Freud shows up. Oh, Freud. Oh, what he is, says, what t- is I think Freud's, he says something uh, like, tell me about your father. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect pickup line, yeah. Um, man, yeah, that was. <laughs> I thought all that mall stuff, and then Joan of Arc was like doing like uh, Joan of Arc was doing the uh, not the spin class, but like oh uh, the uh, aerobics class. Yes, the aerobics class. The, well, it's the funny when, when they're when they're arresting everyone in the mall, they're like, oh, they're 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 doing everything. It's like, okay, yeah, she she's trespassing. They told her to leave, and she's and she's not. She's but like. When she's leading the aerobics class, the other people, Genghis Khan's decapitating mannequins, Billy the Kid and Socrates and Freud are 
being being really awkward and creepy to young girls or not young girls to uh, young ladies, and then you just have Beethoven, who's just playing the piano really well. I didn't understand yeah. why he was arrested. I was like, <laughs> he just played an instrument. Why did you arrest him? Just a, other than convenience well, because, for the story. Well, yeah, more or less. Now, if he would have pl- if he would have been playing and the guy's like, enough, enough. If you don't buy it, you need to leave. And he headbutts him and keeps playing. Cool, arrest him. Oh, that'd have been that's funny. Or he like <laughs> he turns around and uh, does a turtle guy thing from uh, the Master of Disguise and just bites his nose off. Oh my god. Oh, we're not doing that movie for Time Machine, by the way. That movie's awful. <laughs> now you're making me want to do that movie as a Time Machine somewhere down the line. Because I saw it when it was in theaters, and I was so young, I don't remember what I thought of it. Oh, I, I, it's been forever since I've seen it, too. I just know I hated it. I just, uh, I know I didn't laugh at all. Turtle! Um... Turtle! My <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, Dana. Uh, man, but... Let's give let's give this movie a, let's give this movie uh, yeah, some ratings. Um, like I like I said like I said it took me a while to get on board with it, but um, really when really when like the movie actually like got into the plot after the really after that after that beginning where it just I was so not interested in these guys at all. Um, it really did genuinely pick up a little bit, and I had fun with it. I don't I still don't feel that bogus is necessary. Like, if this was just a one-off relic gem of the 80s, like, cult classic that didn't actually, like, spawn a sequel or anything, um, I mean, that would make more sense to me, personally. Like, um, it's it's not quite my cup of tea, even though I still laughed a handful of times yeah. in it, but I, it's not, I, it may be because I laughed in, at it in a way that the movie didn't necessarily make me want to laugh at it, for at least a handful yeah. of jokes, but, um, but no, I mean, I'll... I I'd be lying if I didn't give this um if I didn't give this like a honestly honestly a full brownie pan. I it's I I liked it enough. I like it enough um or maybe even 3 quarters of a brownie pan. Um but with our scale, yeah, right full brownie pan. Um cuz it's not quite half. It's not it's not that bad. It's not bad enough for me to give it like a half or a single brownie, but um yeah, 3 quarters to a full pan somewhere in that middle um it's a movie where you know the way the way i look at the at the ratings for this is you know if it was a brown if it was brownies how much brownies would you want um i i can understand why people love this movie and why it's a cult classic and everything you know every generation has you know their movie like this um Honestly, it's it's a brownie to me. Um, I don't really, I'm not, I don't really want to watch the movie again. Um, I don't really want to see the sequel all that much, and I really don't want to see the third one in theaters all that much. Um, but it's not, it's not because it's a terrible movie. Um, it's just one of those ones where I don't have the desire to rewatch it again. Um, so yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's a brownie for me. Word. Sounds good. Um, oh, before we go, I will say that it is better than the Universal Studios live action show that they do every year around Halloween Horror Nights. (laughs) 
So go ahead and send me your hate mail because I know a lot of you love that show, but it, I, it's terrible. <laughs> I sorry, it's not sorry. It is a terrible show, and I would much rather rewatch this movie once a year than ever go to that show again. <laughs> and on that note, uh, we'll be right back to close out the episode. We'll be right back. All right, and that is it for another episode of Brownie Points. As always, huge shout-out to Ryan Anderson for providing the music for our series. Thank you so much. If you want to share the show with everybody that you know, please feel free to. We are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We also have a pretty large social media presence. Nick, where can they find us on social media? Uh, We're most active on uh, Facebook, uh, but we also have a Twitter handle. Facebook is Brownie Points Guide to Cinema, and uh, Twitter, I believe, is Brownie underscore two. Um, but to know that it's us, our picture is the show logo, uh, the bowl of popcorn with the brownie in it. It says Brownie Points underneath it. Also, uh, we're on YouTube if you're not able to stream us on any podcasting sites. Uh, our, we upload them as a video to YouTube, um, and our YouTube channel is Brownie Points Guide to Cinema. We also have an email address that I totally butchered while making, so it's super long. It's browniepointsguidetocinema at gmail.com. All right. And what are we going to watch next week? We have a very, very full plate next week. We have two films in the cinema. Count them, two films in the cinema that we're going to go watch. We're going to go see the new DC superhero film, Shazam! Shazam! And then we're going to also see the remake of the Stephen King classic Pet Cemetery. Nick, after that, where is the time machine going to be taking us? The time machine is going to take us to 2006. We're going to see a Kevin Bacon film uh, titled Death Sentence. It's one of my favorite movies that is not in my top 10 list of favorite movies ever. And he will divulge exactly what that means, if that did not make sense to any of you, (laughs) on our next episode. Um, I'm excited for it because it's from James Wan, and I love the career that he's been on with Aquaman and the fact that he created Saw, like the fact that he did both. So I'm really excited for this film uh, because I haven't seen it before. And yeah, that's going to do it for us this week on Brownie Points. Thanks for listening, guys. See you. It's the Blues Brothers with with uh, assault rifles. <laughs>